Learning scripture, knowing Christ. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Today we've got myself and Danielle up here in the upper room. And uh, it's been a pretty busy weekend. We're recording on a Sunday night instead of a Friday uh, because we had a lot of stuff going on with uh, kids' sports and my my sport. <laughs> more you than but, anyone. Well, yeah, it was actually more me because I played in a tournament that went on all morning Saturday. And if you are listening to this Monday, you know exactly what that Saturday was like. If you would live in our area. If you lived in our area, yeah. <laughs> I guess that would have to count as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it rained from sometime in the middle of the night all the way up until about 12, maybe 12.30 or something like that. Uh, but the tournament I played in was a soccer tournament and on blacktop. Yeah, so my, my joints are killing me. <laughs> uh, but it was so fun. Our team got third place, which is not bad until you find out there's only six teams. Still the yeah. top three. Still the top three, though. We we did pretty good. Um, we were the our team was called the uh, the old the old team, old Mercer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, who named us? <laughs> Wasn't you? And uh, yeah, I think the average age for us was close to fifty. Hmm. Yeah, one player. He's he was in our in his twenties, and then the next youngest was. Uh, my buddy Jerry, and then me. And Jerry's older than me. I mean, not by much, he's, but he's older than he's me. He's 39, I think, yeah. So our our average age was up there a little <laughs> bit, but at least the one our one teammate brought us down a little bit. <laughs> Lowered the curve. Yeah, the outlier. <laughs> All right, so uh, we've been getting a lot of uh, different... Uh, I don't want to say feedback, but just like in, in conversation with different people about... Uh, things that we've talked about and just in general things coming up. I, I've been getting this sense that there's a misunderstanding between uh, when the Bible talks about things being new and things being redeemed. So I wanted to do an episode that does kind of like a, a word study. We find out where these words are in, in scripture and see how they're used and, and uh, learn how they're defined. And that will help us with a better understanding of what, what that passage is talking about, uh, what it, what's being communicated, and uh, help us understand in modern times what this actually means, because there's a, I, I really do feel as though there's a, a very big difference uh, that we're not seeing, especially uh, when we start leaning more towards progressive things, right? Mm-hmm. You're not even paying attention. (laughs) You're reading something. Yeah. Now I was saying, like, there's a misunderstanding about the two words because it uh, may be in in the area of churches leaning or believers leaning more towards progressive understanding. Yeah. um, I I can't hear me. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. Um, There you go. I turned you up a little bit. No, so because what I was reading was I kind of wanted to know. I mean, I read what you sent me, yeah. but I wanted to know, like, okay, there is a difference because you can say I am redeemed and I am made new. Yes, they're not because being redeemed, but they're not the same. Yeah, because yeah. the redeemed would be 
Christ dying for my sins. I've been redeemed from my life of sin. Yeah. But then I am still being made into made. a new. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna look okay. at the uh, these definitions in a few places. I, I mean, it's a, one of those words that it shows up a lot in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament when you talk about the redeemed. Um, the redeemed just, of the Lord say so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, then without any further ado, here we go. go. All right, so we're going to look at the word new first. And uh, there's two main words in the New Testament that is translated as new. And the first one is naos. Uh, referring to something new. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. I mean, it's like generic. It's The word is new, so the word means new. Um, so um, if it's referring to a, 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 like a person, uh, it might refer to someone who is younger than in comparison to someone who is older, uh, like a young man versus their father. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. a newborn baby versus a redeemed born baby. Uh, yeah. that don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> now we're not there yet. <laughs> um, so uh, like if it's about uh, like an object, because uh, this word is used for describing when Jesus is using an illustration uh, about new wine being put into old or new wineskins and the effects of that and, you know, what that is supposed to mean and uh, what it, you know, how the listener is supposed to live in light of the fact that you can't put something new in an old wineskin. You need the new one. Uh, there's a process of get rid of that old thing and use the new one, so you know things don't get leaked out. You know, so so things don't get broken. And uh, so, of an object, it, it might be like it's new in the sense that there's been a replacement. All right, so this replacement is something that is new, not in the sense that new uh, as if it's never existed. You know, like, especially in light of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) Um, Since biblical times, you know, since the first century, yes, there's been uh, better means to uh, supply people with wine, you know, bottles, travel cups. (laughs) Hopefully, no one's using travel cups for wine, but you get the idea. It's holding. It's holding a liquid. Yeah, know that they. You never know, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, First Corinthians five seven: Get rid of the old yeast, so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. All right, same concept there. Uh, that Jesus was saying, here's here's Paul talking with a different illustration. Uh, you know, when in the Exodus, they're like, hey, don't worry about the leaven in the bread, just take the unleavened bread. And uh, if you know the process of that, uh, basically the leaven is old bread. You know, as it gets older, it's it's going to get moldy or I don't, I don't know if it's exactly moldy, but they use it, uh, they add it in with the new uh, dough to make the bread, so it, it poofs up and you get a poofier thing of bread. You know, as, I'm not a baker, so as I... As Judah knows. At, oh, yes, yeah, because he's been making pizza. 
He's been he's, making the dough himself. Yeah, he's, with from these. scratch. He's yep. like, "Can I make pizza?" We're like, "We can go and, get your shells." He's like, "No, no. I mean from like." And we <laughs> have not helped at all. Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit of the cleaning. But yes, but he <laughs> yeah. he looks it up. He yeah. makes the dough. Yeah the the aftermath though that we found little chunks of of uh, flour and dough like. In three different rooms, the dining room, kitchen, and living room. Like, how did you get this? Maybe all even over? on the front porch. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> uh, but it, it actually tastes really good, too. Uh, mm. I got to teach them how to like spread it out more so it's not as poofy. But anyway, that's how, that's how uh, the unleavened bread. And here's what Paul is getting at here in 1 Corinthians 5 7. Uh, he said, Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch. All right, kind of reflecting, hey, when you're in the Exodus, remember when you guys were told to leave that don't worry about the leaven, just take what you got because we got to go. You know, when it's time to go, it's time to go. Um, So like be ready, basically. So here Paul is saying like, hey, now's the time. All right, as as, uh, as the Passover lamb is Christ, you know, that's happened. It's time, that time is now. He has been sacrificed. And, you know, as, as we know, he, Christ is uh, raised from the dead. And here we are as Christians. The time is now, is what Paul is saying here. Um, he, he uses that word and another word twice in Colossians 3, 5 through 11. Now, he, he writes out uh, basically two vices, uh, two vice lists. That's a hard word. That's <laughs> a hard sentence to say. He has written out basically two lists of vices. There, that was better, right? Okay. Yes. Um, in verse 5 of chapter 3 of Colossians, put to death, therefore, uh, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he lists off a whole bunch of stuff uh, because these, the, the wrath of God, uh, because of those, the, the wrath of God is coming. And uh, you used to live like that. And then in verse 8, more uh, of that lit of another vice list. And then verse nine, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, all right, Naos, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of Christ. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, uh, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. All right, and so he uses new, all right? You have put on, in verse 10, uh, uh, and have put on the new self. And then he says, which is being renewed, all right? And that's a different word than naos, all right? That is anakneo. I like I, to say anakanu. Anakanu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's two, not right, but it's yeah, easier no. to say. Yeah, in Greek, two O's in a row are not ooh. Anakanu. <laughs> anakanu. Uh, now I can't even say it right. Come on. (laughs) It took me so long to practice that. No. Um, so, uh, it's, it's to help understand what the definition to that one is. I'll, I'll draw this, uh, analogy. All right. A renovation. All right. So when you think of like a renovation, in Christian terms, it's like, it, it almost sounds as if, oh yeah, God did all this work in me and he's, he's amazing. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, he did. Uh, but sometimes we can, you know, when we, 
if somebody uh, re- renovates their house, it's kind of like, well, that used to be grandma's old like side table or something like that, and you want to keep it. But like, here's Christ. Like, hey, in your life, you're keeping things that you shouldn't be. Uh, and, and I'm not saying like get rid of your past. The past is there. You can't undo that. You can't just get rid of it. Uh, but there's something about it that that God can do. You know, there's this renovation, but yeah, you could still tell that there's some some work that has been that is being done and has been done, and uh, that's the word that uh, that Paul uses here in Colossians, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the Creator. So, how do you unlearn something? I mean, we're we're human. Yes, we're going to end up forgetting stuff, but how do you? unlearn something in order to learn something other than having to go through that discipline. You know, if, if there's this renewing uh, in the knowledge of the image of its creator, like how, how do you unlearn something in order to learn something? You don't just forget. You know, if someone learned one plus one equals three, they're always going to remember the fact that they've been taught one plus one equals three. All right, and then okay. Oh no, wait! One plus one is two, and they they remember that once they understand it, once they grasp it, they know one plus one is two. But they still, because the past is real, one plus one they had been taught equals three, even though it's wrong. All right, so there's this unlearning that has to occur uh, within this uh, how this word is being. Uh, is being used. Think of a renovation. All right. Uh, the word used in Romans twelve twelve is uh, is a form of that same word. It's just used in a different tense. Uh, instead of renewed, it's renewing. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, so same word. Think of that renovation. All right. And uh, I wanted to point out the word. It, it's one word in Greek, uh, conform to the pattern of. All right, it's, it's a forming a mold by following the same pattern, per, uh, perhaps habitual patterns. All right. Uh, in other words, follow this model and you will be fine. So like maybe even uh, a habitual pattern. Um, do not conform to this, the pattern of, uh, in other words, follow this model and you'll be okay. You know, as long as you are, are doing exactly what the world is saying that you should be doing, you'll be fine. All right. Uh, or, uh, from like this mold, you know, the picture, think of like at the beach when you have these sand toys and you fill in those things to make a sandcastle, those like blocks or something. And uh, it forms to that. But the, the problem there is that if you don't stay within that mold and you take it off, it starts to crumble away. All right, what he's saying is don't go back to that same mold. All right, don't try to get formed that, in that same manner because that, that's not the reason why Christ died. You know, that, that's not what uh, the Romans are supposed to be um, aiming for or anything like that. Do not 
conform to the pattern of this world. But what are they supposed to do? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, going back to the, the image of renovation, that renewing, a relearning, an, un, an unlearning, okay? Uh, not a forgetting, all right? I want to make that clear. It's not a forgetting. It is an unlearning to and a learning. Um, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, all right? Um, now, with that, I really wouldn't be surprised if Paul had the image of uh, God being the clay master and us the clay. Um, Isaiah 64, 8, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Now, I think where, like I said in the opening, where the confusion comes in between the word new and redeemed is, I like, when I heard the, uh, someone say, like, well, God redeems all things, the first thing I thought of was the movie The Passion, The Passion of the Christ. Because in that movie, at one point when he's carrying the cross through the city, he, he like, stumbles and falls, and his mother is there, uh, Mary is there, and she rushes to him, and he, he's, like, struggling to pick up the cross, and she's trying to help him, and he tells her, behold, I make all things new. And it was like, I think I, when I first saw that movie, the first time I saw it, that choked me up, that part. I don't know why. It, maybe because the mother and just the fact that Christ makes things new. <laughs> you know. Um, but it, it was uh, one of those powerful moments. Um, but l- doing this word study, I realized he doesn't say that in the Gospels. Did you know that? No. No, he does not say that in the gospel. I couldn't find it anywhere unless I totally missed it. I don't know. Uh, where he does say it is in Revelation. In that, what did, what's the wording? Uh, for in, in the movie, I think he says, Behold, I make all things new or everything okay. new or something like that. But in Revelation, he says, I'm making everything new. All right. And that's Revelation 21. That's up to the end where it's like, you know the dust is starting to settle <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, things are, uh, epic things are, are being done. And he says, uh, uh, he, I'll just read the verse 20 revelation 21, five, he who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So when he's saying, I make everything new, all right, the, it's the same word that is used, translated as new is naos that was used to describe the new wine in wineskins. That means that it will replace what is there. And if everything is going to be made new, not everything is going to be redeemed. So hence, the difference between new and redeemed. So if he's going to get rid of all this old thing, and bring in the new stuff. I mean, there's he, in Revelation, it even says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Like, all that stuff's going to be gone. Um, the only other places I can see anything about, like, something new, there's the Isaiah verse about, mm-hmm. you know, be, I'm making things new, but that was also in a specific yeah. thing. Um, and then the other two aren't even like that it's just a, like the word new is used yeah yep <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, that, but that phrase, Jesus does not say that in the Gospels. Nope. I couldn't find it. Um, but in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that is new, and especially in light of re- what Jesus says, that I'm making everything new. That means that all that old stuff is going to be gone. That it, it means not everything is going to be redeemed. Uh, now, like what Marshall Montenegro taught us, um, anytime scripture talks about something being redeemed, it's not talking about objects. It's not talking about practices. It's only talking about people. You know? That's all I'm finding is that when it says he redeems, he redeems those of us who are in him, he redeems us from death. Yeah. Um, and he promises that he will redeem his children. But there's no like, hey, I'm going to redeem this practice that you intentionally did knowing you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is what new is. It is not the same as redeemed. All right. So now we're going to look a little bit closer to what the word redeem is. And um, I, I'm just going to look at Titus chapter 2. Verses 11 through 14. Um, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. I mean, with that verse, what kind of what kind of a uh, definition do we really need? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because uh, it's it's pretty straightforward that uh, when Paul was writing to Titus, I mean that, that's one of the. Go, go ahead. I'm just, I'm looking up redeem just to see where it comes up wherever. Yeah, a lot of places, but it's all, all, it is all people. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime, like when it's talking about people, it's talking about all people, not just. But I mean, it's, it's, there's no things. It is redeeming us from our sin. Uh, Well, yeah. uh, I'm sorry. I knew. Uh, I knew. Which yeah, yeah. now I don't understand yeah. what you mean. But what what I thought you were saying is like only people, like all peoples. You know, in the Old Testament, yeah, Israel, um, and that's like the prototype, I guess, if, if you want to call it that. Um, but you know, it, in the Old Testament, it really wasn't just Israel. It was other peoples too. Like there are more people that were redeemed. I mean, look, when we look through Joshua. You know, how, how many things did we find that they were not blood kin to the Israelites, but they were still rescued. They were still redeemed, you know? Um, but back to the Titus verse, verses uh, in chapter 2, uh, verse 14, who gave himself, uh, he, he, sorry, blah, 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 who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. All right, now... That word redeem, laetro, uh, is to release for a ransom, 
All right. So redeem, delivered, uh, to liberate. And uh, that, that specific word, anyway, is used three times. In uh, Luke 24, 21, Titus here, and 1 Peter 1, 18. Uh, but that, like right there, it's just, it's very simple. You know, and, and that's kind of the gospel. It's so simple, yet so hard <laughs> sometimes, you know. Um, when we have to die to ourselves, that is the, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes that's just the hard part. But the gospel itself, Christ died to redeem us. That is just so simple. And why did he do that? We couldn't do it on our own. And he loves us so much that he, he would send his son, that he did send his son. Um, and that is the redemption. Christ paid the, the penalty that we, that we owed, uh, that we couldn't pay. We are in debt, uh, but we have been redeemed from that. Um, so that's, that's the sense in, of redeem in Exodus. But I think there, or I'm sorry, in the New Testament. But I wanted to look at Exodus uh, because I, I think it'll give us a, a better understanding uh, of what it means in New Testament terms to be redeemed. All right, so Exodus 6.6, 6, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with, a, with mighty acts of judgment. All right, so first of all, I want to look at the word free. All right, that is to snatch or plunder. All right, I, and, and Yahweh is saying, I will free you from being slaves. I'm going to plunder you. Like, you're my plunder. You're my booty, <laughs> you know, in pirate terms. Um, like, he's going to not just free you. He's going to snatch you out of there. Like, think of, um, like, if you're sitting around a campfire or something and someone accidentally knocks something into the fire and you quick get it out of there before something uh, bad happens to that item. Um, is that going to be hurtful if you get hit by the flames? Yeah. You know, what, what God did, you know, as, uh, as powerful as he is, you know, he's, uh, he's not going to get hurt, uh, but he still has this, has that understanding of what getting into that fire might be like, you know what I mean? Um, but that's the, that's the image of, of Yahweh freeing someone, um, from being slaves to them. All right. And then he says, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty, and with mighty acts of judgment. All right. That word redeem, it only, and this is, I, I want to make this really, really easy, but it might be complicated. I don't know. There are only two words in the Old Testament that are translated redeem. All right. So, the first one is like uh, as a kinsman redeemer, someone who will ransom, gal. That's what it is in Hebrew, gal. It sounded kind of like you didn't know what you were trying to say. Yeah, because there's and like... And I realized you yeah, were saying something. Gal. Gal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, and the other one is pada. Or, pada, sorry, I said that wrong, uh, which is just your basic generic ransom or, or redeem. Now, the difference between the two is one is a person and the other is an action. All right, so the kinsman redeemer is someone who is going to redeem someone. Uh, For example, if uh, someone's husband dies, she's a widow, 
the next person to be the kinsman redeemer to uh, help her in her in society and help her in uh, in life, and if not having any children to you know go that route to. <laughs> And uh, that is the kinsman redeemer. They basically sl- uh, save them from going into slavery because they don't have uh, that. They, they basically don't have their husband, who would be like the sole breadwinner. Um, and the kinsman redeemer—that is actually the word that is uh, being used, and I will redeem you as an, with an outstretched arm. All right, so I will free you from the slave, being a slave, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and, a mighty, and with mighty acts of judgment. So that is very, very important because he's, God is not just redeeming you. God's not just in the business to redeem somebody. And that's it. He's in the business of, I'm going to redeem you, and I'm going to be in that role of that kinsman redeemer. I'm going to take care of you. It's not just, I paid that ransom, I redeemed you, you're on your own. It is, I'm going to be in that role. All right? Now, to make this, it's kind of like, okay, how, how do you know exactly why it's supposed to be like that? Uh, now, in Hebrew... One word could have a lot of different definitions. All right, so one one word can be translated into English dozens of ways, okay? Um, Now, in English, same thing could be. All right, so for example, uh, you already have the notes, but I'll ask the question, cheater, (laughs) you're looking at the numbers. Um, I'll ask the audience out there what you think the, the word is that has the most definitions and how many definitions that word has. This is in the English. In English, in the English language, yes. yeah. All right. And I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple seconds and I'll give you a clue. The top word that has the most definitions is three letters long, if you could think of something. All right. And number three, I'll give you number three. The word is go. Number two is set. And number one is run. Run, set, go. Yeah, run, set, go. (laughs) All right. So think of those words. How many definitions do you think the word run has? Run has the most definitions. All right. If you're thinking like under 50, maybe you are not even close. And if you're thinking over a hundred, you're still not even close. Uh, according from an insider.com article from January 10th to 2019, the number one word that has the most definitions run has 645 different definitions. Can you think of all of them? <laughs> can I think of all of them? Yeah, anybody. I think I can run I, I I think I can think of like you know, go for a run, 
uh, run a program. Water is running. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's about it. (laughs) Run an errand. Oh, yeah. Uh, Run. Run through the gamut. (laughs) (laughs) Run through a list or something like that. Yeah, Uh, that might be different. Yeah. Uh, that's but still not quite yeah, 645. Not close, yeah. But and even if you go into like technology too, like running a program. Yeah. Uh, like running setup, you know, something like that. But yeah, 645. I don't know what they are, but if you want to read that article, I'll, I'll probably have it in the info. <laughs> um, but there are only two words in Hebrew translated as redeem or redeemed, redeemer or redeems. Uh, and that excludes redemption because, you know, it uses the same base word, guile. And um, it just has a different tense. But, you know, it's the same same word, same concept. And that's the only definition it's got. You know, it might be translated redeemed or, or something like redeemed, redeemer, redeems. You know, it's all the same. But that is what... the. Uh, Yahweh is telling the Israelites at the time of the Exodus, where, you know, I, I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I'm going to be a part of your life. All right, now back to Titus. I'm going to read those verses again in closing. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us, uh, purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You want to go into take to uh, takeaways? Yeah. All right. And here are the takeaways. Yeah. You know what? If you guys have takeaways yourself, let us know. Email us. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Do you have one? I'm working on it. Hold on. Oh my goodness! I I did earlier, and I can't. <laughs> That's why Relin has a notepad and writes things down. You should do the same. Should Raylin, I? Raylin's a good example for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I was thinking. For some people, maybe it would when when we say like we're redeemed from our sins, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there might be some people that think then, well, then isn't the th- isn't it redeemed then? Like if we say we were doing something that we don't, you know, agree. Yeah. It's biblical. Yeah. It's we're being redeemed from that thing. That thing itself is still evil and not good. Yeah. And there are lasting effects to sin. You know, the the death part, God covered. Uh, but while we're here on on the earth, there on this side of eternity, um, there are still effects from from sins that we commit. 
whether we whether we like to admit it or not, you know, like things still affect you. It, it affects other people, um, and I'm sure God doesn't like it either. You know, uh, and actually, in fact, the uh, the one verse that I had, um, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Yeah. I, purification is not a comfortable thing sometimes, you know? Nope. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, sometimes I, I don't know if in the time that it's actually happening, it's ever comfortable. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe someone might be like, Finally. Yeah, I mean... But it's still not comfortable. I think you can, you know, look... Relief. Yeah. You can look back after... I mean, no matter what, we're always being refined, but I think, like, in different things. So, like, say in one situation, you can look back and go, man, that really hurt while it was happening, but I get it now. Yeah. When I was a little kid, I had a broken arm. I was, like, kindergarten, I think. And uh, I remember my parents... Because I don't remember any of it. And uh, my parents tell me the story of when I was getting the cast off and they turned like the little saw on to, to like cut it. And apparently I, it scared me so much. I jumped off the table and bolted <laughs> and like they had to go running after me. I'm like screaming. And there's like this kid in the, in the waiting room waiting to have the same thing done. <laughs> you know? and, um, yeah. And the doctor was like, I never lost a patient that way, you know? <laughs> 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 but um but after a time I had to get the bone set. And uh I just remember like okay, it it wasn't that as bad as I thought it would be. And then the doctors like they tell my parents like you might want to leave the room. And I was like as a little kid I'm thinking like this is the only thing I remember is like as a kid like wait a minute, where are they going? Why are they leaving? What's going on? What's <laughs> so, And uh I the other part I remember is when they started to set it, they gave me a shot because it was so painful. Like they put it right into my arm and I was screaming, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt that they're putting this needle in me, but I didn't feel it because of all the other pain that I felt already. <laughs> like it was, I, I didn't feel it at all. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of like what purifying is. It's not comfortable in the moment, but when that, when those bones graft back together, it's actually stronger. When we're purified, we're, we, the outcome is much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That wasn't my takeaway. That was yours. <laughs> you were expounding on my takeaway. Yeah, I suppose. Um, do you have any more? Mm. Mm, no. No? Okay. I don't think so. No? Okay. Well, mine was uh, the end of the uh, of Titus two eleven through fourteen that we shared. Uh, he says, you know, after being redeemed um, and purified for himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now, I don't know if that's God being eager to do good, or if it's the believer, the the person that's being redeemed, that is eager to do good. 
because I'm not that good in, in Greek <laughs> to know the difference. But I would guess that the way that it's translated, it sounds as if it's the person that is redeemed. All right. So if we are redeemed, what do we do with that? First of all, remember that we are, you know, we're still being renewed. And uh, there's going to be some renovation needing done. But also, during that time, we also need to be eager to do good. All right, this salvation thing is not a one and done, and we don't have to worry about anything ever again. All right, this isn't the happy-go-lucky Christianity. Um, it's not an excuse-ridden Christianity where, you know, God redeems all things. No, God redeems people. And why does he redeem us? Hopefully, so we realize and recognize what Christ has done. And in response, we are eager to do good. Not because we think we have to, to maintain that salvation, to, re- to maintain that redemption, but because in light of God's love, in light of what he's done for us, we just want to love back. You know, it's kind of like, I don't, I honestly don't understand when people misunderstand doing good works. Like we don't do, we're not supposed to do good works to maintain salvation or to win favor from God or anything like that. That's as if saying, hey, me and my wife, we're married now, but sorry, can't do anything for you. Because that might sound like I'm trying to win your favor. Like, really? I always want to win the favor of my wife. <laughs> you know? I want to be... I, like, I'm eager to to please her and, and, uh, and spoil her if I'm able to. And guess what? I do that and I'm not even God. You know, I, I can't provide everything. But there, there are some things that I want to do for my wife because... I love her and I'm eager to do it. That's not because I think I have to win the favor. It's because I want to win that favor. Not that I, not, maybe I shouldn't say win. (laughs) That's like an easy thing to win. Um, But just to say, like, you know what? I'm eager to please you. I I don't know how else to, to explain it. It's just, I think you're good. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> we, we need to be eager to do good and not make it about like, oh, I have to maintain my salvation or anything. It's not about that. It's because in light of what Christ has done for us, if we're supposed to be in a relationship, we should be seeking that. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe... Put the blinders on the side and and focus only on him. Does that make sense? I know I kind of jumbled my so, words, yes. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It, I kind of question if you're not eager to please your spouse, you know. Um, so when it comes to uh, us and Christ, why are you not eager to do something? Yeah. And I guess that might be a reflection of how eager you love people. How eagerly? 
how eager, how eager we, you are to love how, people. Yeah, how okay. eager we are to love people, uh, to love others. Yeah. Gotcha. But that's my takeaway. Beautiful. Any closing remarks, my love? Continue to be made new. Yeah. Renew that, Mario's. True that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. I know this is a, a quick episode because I want to go to bed. And uh, uh, our weekend is over. It's time to get back to the work week. Have fun out there if you are on the work working squad. <laughs> <laughs> on the and outside of the home working squad. Yes, yes. And if you're listening to this while homeschooling, uh, your kid just threw something in the toilet that they shouldn't have. <clears throat> you should go check on that. Speaking from experience. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I don't think she threw it in. I think she accidentally dropped it. But, you know, that's a story for another day. <laughs> that's too fresh. We're still morning. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, yeah, so email us at contact at onefear.net if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns. Uh, that's contact at onefear.net. And look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Have you done anything on Instagram, hon? Um, mine somehow, like, signed me out and removed the account from my Instagram. Oh. So I need to re-get re back in. It. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Okay. All right. All right, everyone. So, well, thanks for listening. Shared, like, in the whole spiel, spiel, barrage of things. <laughs> and live such good lives. Oh, so, what? Did you say per? Oh, sorry. That's your cue. I'm sorry. Per, for you, per the usual, live, live such, such good, good lives. lives. So sorry that I didn't say that to give you the heads up. That's what you do every time. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>